Liverpool return to Premier League action against Arsenal on Saturday evening and to preview the show I'm delighted to say that we've been joined on Brothers Red by journalist, TV presenter and Arsenal fan Mr Warren Nettleford who'll give us the lowdown on all things Arsenal. Warren, welcome to the show. I hope you're well. It's great to have you. How are things? Yeah, I'm wearing the classic uh, bruised banana shirt from the 91-92 season. We just mm. signed Ian Wright. Um, we just won the league the season before. So we won the, the league title two out of three, two out of the three previous seasons. I think one of those seasons we won on the last day somewhere. It's quite a famous result. <laughs> what happened. Um, and uh, yeah, this, this kit, this Adidas kit has gone down in folklore as being one of our most famous. I think at the time it was derided, but then it became a bit of a cult strip. And when I was 10, I managed to get a, get one, which was a big deal then. And uh, when they reissued it a year ago, Adidas, I just had to get hold of the kit. And I think they sold out within hours on the Arsenal site. Um, but yeah, that's classic Arsenal fan, isn't it? You know, nostalgia, looking back to the old days when we were good or, you know, we had good kits. <laughs> But it's like when they when they put on Twitter, they put a shirt on, don't they? And they say, who does this, who immediately, which player immediately springs to mind? And you do see that shirt and think, Ian Wright, don't you? That's yeah, what's you coming do, into my do. head. Yeah, so before we get on to Arsenal, what, how have you been making uh, Premier League football in a pandemic? I mean, it's not the same. And I think people now are beginning to appreciate even more the sanctity of the 3 p.m. Saturday ritual because just having an endless stream of football is just not as fun. It's not as enjoyable. Not being able to listen to five live at 5 p.m. on a Saturday evening and hearing all the results coming in, having that shared sense of, oh, everyone in the country is now at a football game. That's all evaporated. And people just thought, oh, just by having it on TV, that would be enough. But it's just so great. I'm pleased that the results have been so crazy with regarding away performances that it just shows you how important the crowds are. So it's been this really awful commercialized, drug sanitized version of what football is. But it's been an interesting experiment, I suppose. And it's given some people something to cling to during the pandemic. So I guess like most people, I paid the money and I've got you know, a subscription for, you know, the, the football on my on my phone and computer so I can watch the games. And there have been periods when I've had my Sundays where I've watched one game after the other. But then after a while, I, you know, I kind of fell out of love with it a bit and just thought, oh, just another game. I was quite firm at the beginning of not having the crowd noise because I thought, no, I, I object to the idea that they're going to have you know, fake crowds like FIFA on the games. But then after a while, I, I admit, I've, I've put it on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I know I know Liverpool fans will do anything to get rid of Martin Tyler, to be honest. So uh, we'll have it on mute um, yeah. if we have to. But, but, I mean, Pad, we've spoken about it quite a lot, haven't we, on the podcast, that um, it just doesn't feel the same without fans, you know, just empty stadium football. I mean, it's been good in one sense, hasn't it? Because, don't be dramatic, but it's probably been quite good for the mental health of football fans up and down mm. the, yeah. the nation because yeah. it's just a release, isn't it? It's still what it is, but it's not the same, I don't think. No, it's not the football we love. And I think it's just the, the release is not it's not the same. I don't know whether it's the crowd noises or even, even VAR at times as well. And 
you can't celebrate a goal anymore. And, you know, they were, they were looking at charging pay-per-view matches as well, weren't they? So there's a, there's a couple of elements of the game with this season that's kind of got under my skin a little bit. Um, and obviously Liverpool results. Um, I think it's been quite interesting to see how certain players have performed under the conditions. I think certain certain teams and certain players um, need that kind of that kick they get from the fans. I think like someone like Bobby Firmino uh, loves playing in front of the fans and he's a kind of bit of like a, a showman. Have you noticed that, Warren, that are there any players in your squad who sort of, do you think any of them are missing the the crowds in particular? Well, I think we've been underperforming so much, it's difficult to tell. But um, <laughs> I'd say it's it's in, it's interesting because I, I remember reading, and I forget who said it now, and hopefully it'll come back, that there are some players who, who perform better without the crowd. And there are players in our team who just look, players like Pepe, who mm. just seem so um, unmotivated or they're... And that's not true, because I'm not saying he's unmotivated or he's lazy. I would, I would never say that about him as a player. But yeah. I think um, he's someone who seems low on confidence sometimes. Mm. And if something goes wrong in a game, his head will drop a bit more and that will then affect the next thing that he, d- he does. Um, and so I think um, without having the crowd on his back, maybe that's one of the reasons, I'm not saying it is, it just could be that there has been a bit of a an improvement as the season has progressed with, you know, with him as a player. Five, six months ago, if an Arsenal, if that's, uh, you know, several Arsenal fans, 10 Arsenal fans, should we sell Pepe into the season? I think... 70% would say, yeah, you know, it hasn't worked out, it can go. But I think what's happened with him is he's improved significantly over the past few months. That is now, oh, we're not so sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Pepe is an interesting case in point because there was a big clamour for Liverpool to sign him uh, before Arsenal got him. Maybe he's an arm around the shoulder type of guy, I don't know. I think, I think it could be, but I think his main game when he was at Lille was that he was a player who'd run into spaces. And then he only had one prolific season. I think we got more than 20 goals in the season before we bought him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why um, it seems we got rid of our director of football because of the belief that perhaps we, people are saying, you know, I don't to be sued, but luckily there's a lawyer here, that we <laughs> overpaid for, um, for him significantly because nobody wanted to pay £72 million for him because he was unproven. He had one good mm. season. And for the way that um, Emery wanted to play and also the way that Arteta wants to play, we're not going to be playing in a counter-attacking, running into space method. Um, I mean, it's interesting, Emery actually, since he's been fired, has admitted he didn't want him. He said, I didn't want Pepe, I wanted Zaha. But he was overruled by the board because they were saying Pepe had more resale value because he's two years younger than Zaha. And Emery, for all his faults, he made a point, which I agree with, he's like, well, Zaha's got proven Premier League ability. Yeah. It's not going to be an integration problem. He speaks English. Um, and, I mean, he, he was kind of like, you know, a bit veiled when he said, I remember in an interview once he said, oh, you know, well, Pepe's a very shy boy. And I was like, oh, okay. So what he's saying there then is, he's not the kind of player that he thought he was going to get. You know, I remember years ago, Martin O'Neill talking about Emil Heskey, saying how he was a... A player who definitely needed an arm around the shoulder. And I think that is true. But I just think with Pepe, I'm not sure that we've been able to make best use of him because of um, the way that we're playing football now. But it's a good option to have, isn't it? A £72 million player on the bench. So, 
Yeah, I mean, um, we'll have a chat about that a little bit later, but Arsenal have got quite a lot of attacking options at the moment. There's there's a bit of uh, fluidity, isn't there, on both sides? Because you've got Odengard, you've got Martinelli, I think, who's back now, isn't he? Getting integrated yeah, into the back, side. Yeah. You've got the, uh, the young, what's the young English lad? Smithrow, and you've got Saka. Saka's yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, we've got like an abundance of riches of young, good young players in the academy coming through. Um, it's um, it's great to see. Um, as you know, fans always love to see a player coming through the academy. I think for us, the problem's always been most recently. We had that whole Urzil thing hanging over us, and I was a big Urzil fan, but it didn't work out towards the end. We just didn't have a quality midfield partner to play with Xhaka. And then Jack is a player who divides the Arsenal <laughs> fan base. That's an but understatement thing, to say that. <laughs> the one group who never divides, managers. All, you know, all four managers have played him. Wenger yeah. played him every game. Emery played him every game. Lundberg's played him every game when he was there. And Arteta's done the same. I think yeah. Jack uh, broke record, I think I saw. He played the most um, consecutive Arsenal games uh, for more than I think it was 25 or 30 years. Uh, and he was substituted in the last league game and that was the first time he'd been subbed off because he he's great for the tempo of the team. He's, his passing range is brilliant and if he has to make a decision quickly in terms of playing an incisive pass, he can do it. So he knits things together, which is why, you know, managers aren't stupid, right? I mean, and four managers aren't stupid, but fans are stupid. So <laughs> that's the reason why he always plays. And now he's got a partner like Party. suddenly he looks even better as a player. Why is it that Zach has been... Well, he, I suppose he's a bit of a lightning rod for criticism, isn't he? I don't know if he's one of those players that seems to get yeah. picked on. I mean, he's had, he's had a poor disciplinary record, hasn't he, at times, yeah. which sometimes goes a bit with the territory, doesn't it, of what he has to do, but... It seems a bit inconsistent when I've seen him. There should be some some games where he just seems like he's making a lot of fouls and giving the ball away and maybe trying too much. Paddy, all those things are true. Um, the inconsistency, the flashpoints where he'll get sent off doing something stupid by grabbing someone by the throat or swearing at Arsenal fans or you know doing something stupid in the game. You know, he's got all those things in his locker. And so for Arsenal fans, they're thinking, they're thinking, well, it's not Vieira, is he? He's not even Gilberto. So why, why, is, everyone, why is everyone yeah. defending? Why is everyone defending yeah. this guy? Let, let yeah. him go. Whereas I'm like, I'll always defend an Arsenal player <laughs> because they're an Arsenal player. It's you can't you can't compare every every new <laughs> Arsenal midfielder to you know some you know some of the greatest but, midfielders that ever played the game. Um, Arsenal fans sadly do that because we are similarly deluded. And there's not going to be another Vieira. There's not going to be another Henri. There's not going to be another Burkamp. No. We just need other new players who will be great in their own way and not comparing them to those guys. Well, I mean, what's your view on Arteta? I mean, he's been in, what, sort of 15, 16 months now. He's young manager, you know, got good ideas about the game. Are you very much sort of firmly behind him or are you still sort yeah. of uh, a bit concerned going forwards? It's funny reading Wenger's book, but when you read the book, he admits about all the mistakes he made as a young manager. And if you look back through, you know, the managers, you know, generationally, most of them make mistakes in their early career. Pep's an anomaly because he had, you know, amazing, amazing talent, one, and also amazing yeah. players. So yeah, if you're thinking, right, okay, we're going to appoint a young manager, we've got to factor in the fact he's going to make mistakes. So I'm like, right, okay, 
we're going to make mistakes. We've got an average team. We've got to completely transform the squad. Those three things mean that you've got to give him time. And he did amazingly well to give him more time to win the FA Cup in his first season. Now, I'm not saying that he's performing the way that I want him to perform, but what I would say is it seems as if we're moving in that direction. We've had periods of games more recently where I think, okay, it's what he's trying to do. This is our philosophy. This is what he wants us to do. I'm on board with that. But I think he's basically got another season, hasn't he? Because anything more than that, and if he hasn't got top four by next season, um, then it's like, well, how long can this go on for? Sometimes it's about timing, isn't it, as a manager, when you come in, you know, he's... He's sort of come in when there's been accusations that Arsenal have got like a an ethos problem or in some in some sectors a an attitude problem. Do you think there's a there's a problem with certain individuals in the squad and about the general attitude of the players? I mean, without having interviewing the players, I haven't recently. Uh, all I can say is it seems that Arteta has made a decision that there was some kind of problem because he's bombed out Gwenduzi, who's now in Germany. Yeah. Um, he's um, he's got rid of Ozil, he's got rid of Mustafi, Kalasinac, um, all those players who form like a quite a core group. They're no longer at the club. Without us knowing the ins and outs, it seems he's made a call that he wanted to change something, um, and he has. Um, so whether or not that changes the ethos going forward, I don't know. And the Ozil thing was a huge, you know, issue for the club in terms of, and, you know, I think Ozil on his day, and he had the stats to back it up in the first half of his time at Arsenal, was what was, you know, could have been one of the best Premier League players ever, potentially. But he never kind of managed to sustain that. He had, you know, the first two seasons and a season when we should have won the league in 2016. And his numbers were incredible with having someone like Giroud up front, who I love, by the way, but wasn't a, was never a 25-goal-a-season striker. He was always like an auxiliary second striker who yeah. managed to get 18 goals. Brilliant. But and Urza had amazing assist numbers and goal creation attempts in that season with having Urza up front. Yeah. So um, but he's changed the culture. He's changing the culture anyway. Well, you had that thing, didn't you, Pad, recently with Abamyang? He was benched, was he, or left out the squad for the Spurs game? And uh sort of Artessa gave, gave him a bit of a sort of not dressing down, yeah. but he he, he did he, you know there was some criticism of him. Obviously, he's the yeah captain money. I mean, um, it was the it was the derby Spurs, good good yeah. game, and captain he arrived late for the team meeting beforehand. Oh, that was it. Oh, that was apparently, it. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, what it wasn't the first time. Um, I mean, this is one thing about Arteta, which is you know he's a young manager, but he's making his own way, and he made that public. Wenger never ever made. Mm criticism of players public. I can only think of one time he did, he made something public and that was when Van Persie got sent off against Sunderland, I think, in like 2006. He'd just come on, then he got a red card and he was furious with him and he, he criticised him in public. But other than that, Wenger was always very, very, very loyal to players. But Arteta seems to have a different philosophy where it's like, okay, you made him, you, you've done this, I'm going to publicly shame you. But, you know, he played him in the next game. Yeah, I mean, going back to uh, this season, I mean, I was reading um, some of the articles recently on The Athletic about Arsenal and um, talking about the West Ham game, which was obviously three all. They had this amazing mm-hmm. comeback. But it was sort of described as a sort of microcosm of Arsenal's season, the way you started that game, but then the way you came back and the quality and the grit you showed. I suppose this season, 
it's like any sort of top side that's in transition. It's about getting that consistency because you've had little pockets of wins, but then being punctuated with losses. But yeah, I think the last, I mean, you lost to City narrowly, but I think you've um, you're unbeaten in four in the Premier League, from what I could see from the the last results. Um, yeah, two, two wins, yeah. two draws, coming into the Liverpool yeah. game on the weekend. So it's it's not a bad patch of form. Yeah, we're we're consistently inconsistent. There are these like green shoots of optimism where it seems as if okay, we've turned the corner, and then we get you know slam back down to earth. I'm, I'm sure, I saw some stat, I think by Orbino, and he was tweeting how we've had the most red cards since 2017 of any team in the Premier League. Is that down to again though? I think I've watched that last years, and I just feel like they obviously had the young team under Wenger. They sort of late. And that kind of promise that never that never arrived, you know, Wilshire and Ramsey kind of going and stuff and not fulfilling potential. And then you had, I feel like they never really had any, I don't want to be too strong here, like I said, like no backbone. They never had any real, real leaders in the team. You talk about a Xhaka getting sent off all the time, a Bamiang missing, you know, late for training. David Luiz sometimes does these mad moments. Do you not feel like, you know, just someone a bit of like a cool, calm ahead to yeah. lead the dressing room a little bit better? I know you said Zaka's a bit of a lead like that, but... Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, there was an interview actually, again, uh, in The Athletic with um, Sven uh, Mintzlat, our former, uh, or Mintzlstat, I think, our former... Um, he, was, he was lined up to be technical director, but then in the end he didn't get the job when Wenger went, so he left. He spoke about that in terms of... Um, the reason why he made certain signings for the team. So they signed Socrates, uh, Socrates. we signed um, a few of the senior players and who, who perhaps weren't seen as being massively quality additions, but they were signed in a way because he said they wanted them in the squad to be yeah. ambassadors or role models for the younger players. I agree with you on Milner, someone like him, you know, is an example of a quality senior pro model professional. Even someone a bit like Gerard or Henderson were. I know I'm saying Liverpool players all the time because that's um, that's what's what I know. But a bit like consistency and they know the club and and they, they earn respect from the young players. To even the you know if you if you splash and get some you know headline signings, fifty million pound players, it still brings them back down to earth. Like it doesn't matter how good you are, you do it this way. And that kind of like consistency throughout the team. Wenger was kind of criticised after the Invincibles team that he didn't maintain some of those older players for a long time. You know, he, he did that amazing thing by being unbeaten for the season and we're playing, you know, some of the best football I've ever seen. And then the team has broken up very quickly and we moved from having players like, you know, Vieira, Gilberto, Lawrence, Paul Campbell, Cole, to having smaller players like, you know, Riziki and Kleb. And you know, and put, you know, those diff, diff, a very different kind of player. We had to like change because we, didn't, we couldn't afford to have those big players anymore. But I think what also happened was we lost that continual thread. So when Wenger came in, when he had the team, he had like Adams and he had Balls and he had Ray Parler, and those players still played a really significant role all the way up until the Invincibles team. Ray Parler was there, the Invincibles, right? So he, there's this continuing thread. Campbell was still there. And then when the stadium came in, we lost it. And we just kind of started again with all these young players. And then apart from like, say, you know, people like Wilshire, Ramsey, Walcott, they were like the Arsenal men, but they weren't in the same kind of stature. And that link being broken, I think, back in 2006, 7 
is maybe one of the underlying problems maybe where there hasn't been that continual culture of of winning um and i think fabregas was saying something similar when um when he left to go to barcelona in 2011 and he was saying we always seem to be just like two signings away we always seem to be we needed a leader we need a leader and when we should have won the league sorry again in 2000 2007 2008 we got 85 points that season i think and didn't win the league. But is that is that something you can get back? I think leadership now. It's like Mourinho, right? Mourinho has been found out now because he hasn't been able to adapt. He hasn't been able to adapt to how young players need to be treated differently. Yeah. You know, they don't like they don't like their boss slagging them off on TV. <laughs> no. Because they're they're not, they're not everyone sharing them, their boss slagging them off on Instagram. Like, I wouldn't like yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? So um, I, I, I asked you before about arms uh, about Pepe and arm round the shoulder. I think most footballers now are more arm round the shoulder, isn't it, than the uh, the teacups being thrown at them? Yeah, yeah, just you know, an impression. More, more, but then again, Klopp's not an arm round the shoulder guy, is he? Is he? I think he's perhaps more so um, now than what he was. I think he's mellowed a little bit. I think a lot of the top managers seem to be quite calm and analytical at, you know, half time in the dressing room, because you've got to get the message across. And if you're, you know, like I said, throwing teacups like Ferguson, then, you know, your players are not, are not listening. You're supposed to be the leader, aren't you? But there's a clip of um, when Brendan Rogers lived for manager and you had that documentary series and he was having to go at, Ster- at Sterling, wasn't he? On the training pitch. Yeah, Remember that clip? Was, yeah. He was doing his David Brendan. And everyone <laughs> thought Brendan Rogers was a bit of, was a, bit of a joke. Yeah. Turns out he wasn't really a joke, was he? Well, he's, cr- <laughs> he's a pretty good manager in fairness, isn't he? But on, on the, going back to Arsenal, on the positive side of things, I'm looking at this uh, this team you've got now. Um, yeah. Absolutely love Tierney on the left-hand side. He looks uh, a player. He's, 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 um, he's a very, very good, and not just good, solid defensively, but his passing range is great. Recovery rate is brilliant. Is our best crosser of the ball. That's something which Bellerin was criticised for, that he wasn't very good at crossing. Yeah. Whereas now on the left, we've got someone really reliable with Tierney who can, you know, deliver pinpoint crosses and passes. And I think it's becoming, it's becoming a bit of a cult hero because, you know, little things like arriving at the game, carrying a, a Tesco carrier bag with his kit, <laughs> it's like, you know, all his mates yeah. have got like Gucci, Gucci bags and he's walking in the Tesco carrier bag. Yeah. A quick like, save bag, yeah. Quick save, yeah. He's like he's like a it's a throwback. He he reminds yeah. players, you know, fans, sorry, of what you know what it was like for them going to like training, you know, after school with these carrier bag and your football boots in. Yeah. And um and the fact he, he tucks his shirt in, all those little things just um endeared him to fans quite quickly. No, going back to uh, Arsenal again, in terms of the spine of the team now, you've got Party and um, Zaka in the centre of centre of the park now. When we played against Madrid and they knocked us out in the cup, he he was so good. He, he killed everything, especially in the first leg. So I was I was, you know, when Arsenal signed him, I, I took notice because he's a uh, he's well, he's got he's got all the, he's got all the attributes really as a destroying midfielder, but as he as he. Has he shown that since he's been there? Or has he been still with a few injuries, has he? Yeah, he's been in and out because of injuries. Um, I'd say he's shown it in full in one game, and that was when we beat United at Old Trafford earlier in the season. 
Mm. Um, it was hilarious that because we outplayed them, beat them, and then we went on this huge, terrible run. And then they went on an amazing run, and that's why they're second, which is insane because they're not even very good. He had that good performance, and then it's had it's been in fits and starts because of his injuries. Yeah. But um, I've seen enough now to think, you know, yeah, he's a decent player, very good player. He can distribute well, he's quick, his passing range is good, it's kind of nimble with his feet. He's one of these powerful players who looks kind of graceful at the same time. For me, I'm now just want to see that all the time because I'm getting annoyed that he hasn't been playing all the time because of his injuries and whatever. People criticise the owners, but you know what? They spent a lot of money these past two seasons. Let's start delivering, you know? I think it's just getting the alchemy right, isn't it, in the team? But if you, you know, if you look, you've got a solid goalkeeper. You've got some, you've got some pretty, pretty good defenders now. You've got Bellerin on the other side, haven't you? Mm. And um, I'd still I think say Chambers has played still... on the right side as well, hasn't he, recently? Yeah, again, because he was out with his ACL injury, um, just come back from that, basically. And again, you know, you asked an Arsenal fan three months ago, what should we do with Chambers? I've got two defenders, they're going to sell him. Now we go, oh, he's proven he's worth, maybe we should keep him. But then we've got him, we've got Suarez and Bellerin. And Suarez has been quite good recently as well. Yeah, It's really odd because we're having these players who are having some individually solid performances, but we're still not very good defensively. I think Arteta needs, I know it's a bit of a cliche, he needs a bit of time though, doesn't he? I mean, I think there's there's signs of progress. The problem is football's so reactive, isn't it? I mean, you look at social media, for example. I mean, it's absolutely crazy, isn't it? I mean, there's no time. Everyone's in a rush. Everyone makes snap judgments about players and managers. But if you look look at the players you've got, particularly as well, in an offensive sense, you've got this, this lad Rowe looks a player, you've got Saka. I don't know if you're going to keep Odengard, but I mean, he looks quite a useful player to have. You know, he can play in the eight and the 10 sort of role. You know, he needs to increase his output a bit. But, you know, you've got quite, you know, Lacazette still scoring goals. There's a bit of potential there if you can get everyone fit and get a bit of a system. You've got options, haven't you, up top? Yeah, we do. And that's going to be interesting at the end of the season regarding Lacazette because it'd be going into the final year of his contract. Mm. So it's like, okay, are we going to sell him or are we going to give him a new deal? He's 29, I think, now. And he's been quite good again in the past three months. Um, it's another interesting decision, really, because I'd say if we really do want to go on to the next level, mm. we need to get another elite striker because Aubameyang can probably be a, a, at elite level for another two years. Yeah. So we need to get another elite striker or soon elite striker is going to take over from him. Um and the problem with the Bamiyan, I remember discussing this with a friend of mine. He was, we were an Arsenal fan. And I was saying, a Bamiyan, I don't hold him in the same regard as never, of course, Henri. Not even Van Persie. Because a Bamiyan is very good at one thing, it's movement. Um, but his finishing ability isn't as good as Henri's, not as good as Van Persie. He doesn't get anywhere near as many as assists as Henri or Van Persie got. He's not creative. He's very good at one thing, being in the right place at the right time and finishing. But people think that's not very not a good trait. Well, Gary Lineker was brilliant at it. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's not it's not easy because if it's easy, then everyone would do it, right? Yeah. So, so I I think now we need to start need to start thinking about getting the next elite player in. And Martinelli could be that player. He's that good. 
he is that good. Why is he not playing at the moment, Martinelli? Is he trying to like? So I heard somebody to try to build him up to play more as a number nine because he's still a young lad. I don't know if it's like. Yeah, I read something similar, and he he had you know he had a knee injury which is quite serious, his meniscus, mm. and I think Arsenal Arsenal fans have learned the hard way that we've been as a club quite bad at managing young players' fitness. Wilshire being the the key example, and interestingly. When Wilshire had his first injury back in 2011, I got a, um, I got wind from someone who's a physio in the game, and they said, "Oh, um, Wilshire's injury is really serious. You know, he may not play again. It's that serious. He may not come back. His ankle injury, and if he does come back, he's not going to be the same player." Yeah. And it was true. <laughs> it yeah. was true. I mean, because if you if you everyone talked about Wilshire in that game against Barcelona in 2011, which I was at. And it was like, you know, it was, it was amazing. He was amazing in it. And the England game that year against Brazil as well, he was amazing. You know, he, the future of England's midfield. Here he is, here he is. He, he can do it, yeah. he can do it. And then he just, you know, the way he played, a wrong. And then, you know, he, he did an interview with um, maybe the Athletic, I think, last week. And he's talking about, yeah, I should listen to my body. I should listen to my body and I shouldn't, I shouldn't have pushed myself. People were telling me not to play or to play. So I'm pleased that... Arteta's resting Saka, he's resting Smith Rowe, he's resting yeah. Martinelli, yeah. not playing them enough. And I and do you remember last season with Phil Foden at City and Pep was being criticised for not playing him? When you're playing him, is that like he'll play when he's ready? And now I don't think anyone's complaining about Phil Foden not playing, having played last season, are they? Because he's a young kid. Yeah, the same this season with, with Foden, even if. Took him a while to get into the team this year, and uh, he's he's better for it. Um, yeah. Every time I watch City at the start of the year, I was like, "Foden's got to play. He's class." And then he wasn't in the team. I was surprised, and they're just building, building him up. And yeah, it's good management. I remember when Sterling come through, he had he had a couple of months where he was on fire, scored loads of goals, and then he got really quiet for a couple of months and was really inconsistent. Maybe he needed that kind of bit more, bit more, uh, you know, bit better management really, giving him. Bits here, giving bits there, kind of like build up that consistency. Michael Owen was a a young player who was, you know, he said himself many times, probably overplayed to the point of then running into, you know, serious injury, um, and never being the same player again. With, with him, I remember his big injury wasn't it against Leeds? It was in two thousand and one when he did his hamstring, didn't he? And he chose not to. He tore it, and he chose not to have the full repair. Yeah. And that was the mistake he made because mm. he then didn't have equal power with his legs ever again. Um, yeah. I mean, now that idea seems ludicrous that they would just do the operation. But back then, they didn't know. And, and that's layers to think, isn't it? 20, even 20 years ago, <laughs> they didn't know. And um, that was what ruined him. He was never the same player again, never the same amount of pace. And all those other recurring injuries, muscular, happened as a result of that one decision. But but maybe, I know results, I mean, Arsenal, what, a ninth in the league now? Is, I mean, Liverpool is, is slightly better, but we're quite similar, having quite similar seasons, really, in terms of results. I mean, if you've got Arteta, at least he's a manager who has a fixed philosophy about how he wants to play is prepared to do the right thing at the right time with young players, also prepared, as we discussed earlier, to, to make a stand if he thinks the circumstances are right. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need someone who's principled. Give him some time and hopefully he can get it right. There's no guarantee, but 
especially when you've got all these other teams spending fortunes around them. But it's it's something to work with, isn't it? I think so. And there's no there's no real mutiny, you know, amongst sensible Arsenal fans that I know about Arteta. No one's saying Arteta out. No, I no I'm I'm hearing that. So I think people are just we're obviously we're upset that, you know, we fired Emery for us being eighth. And now we're ninth and we're not don't want to fire Arteta, which is a it's an interesting, you know, argument in itself. Yeah. That's the problem, um, though, isn't it? Because Arsenal is, is such a massive club, massive fan base. I think it's interesting if you compare it to Lampard last season. He, they they seem to want to give him a bit of time. He was a club player as well, and he was giving chance to some of the younger lads like Mount and that coming through. And then as soon as he spent all the money, there was this bigger expectation put on him. Yeah. Maybe with Arteta, there's. With similar circumstances, giving young lads a chance, there's not that big expectation to do something straight away, and you know they've they've seen other other managers come in at other clubs and even at Arsenal, and it's, you put too much pressure on them to do stuff too quickly, and it's just it just doesn't work. So let's get behind him and um, and give him a chance. I agree, and also the difference is now, you know. Arsenal fans were considered being ungrateful for the fact we always got top four, which now seems ridiculous, right? I mean, <laughs> everyone, I mean, we got, you know, we got, we got it 22 years in a row, which is amazing. No one else has done that. But now the idea of being top four is because the league's more even, because there are now what, six or seven or even eight really good teams now in the league. Mm. That's one, one of the good things about the money more recently is even things up. People are more understanding, maybe compared to in days of Wenger. Where if we didn't, if we were fourth, that was rubbish. Now <laughs> fourth is seen as being amazing. But I think um, Arteta got time because look at it this way: if last last season we finished eighth, we went out the last thirty-two of the Europa League, but we won the FA Cup. If we hadn't won the FA Cup, went out the last thirty-two and finished eighth, and then this season we had that terrible start, I I, I fear for him. I think they would have got rid of him by now. But yeah. the FA Cup win helped him get more time. It's a big leg up. If I was, you know, if I had to say to you, um, two, three years under Arteta, you win the FA Cup, or you do what Pochettino did at Spurs, and finish second in the league, and he's second, well, runners-up in the Champions League, they didn't actually win anything. So, like... They can't win anything because that's their nature. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just uh, an opportunity to laugh at Spurs. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's beyond them. It's beyond them. But um, Warren, uh, turning turning to Saturday, how are you how are you oh, feeling? Yeah. How are Arsenal fans feeling about playing Liverpool? I mean, it's not exactly the the Liverpool of last season, is it? No, but you're still a very dangerous team. I, I think uh consistent inconsistency means we go into the game without any expectations we haven't won there in ages so we have like we have like no expectations going there anyway really because it's so difficult to win Anfield anyway there've been some good games though, you know like 2-2 with Giroud scoring the goal and then you equalizing in recent years but when you guys come to our place it's more even and we've got more of a chance because we've beaten you more recently at our place a fair amount of times yeah um but um yeah, last season we last season we won at our place right but that was um, that was a bizarre Arteta victory when like you dominated possession. We haven't got the same fear when you come to our place, but we're so inconsistent. Anything can happen. So a three-three wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> a zero-two wouldn't surprise me. 
a 2 0 wouldn't surprise me. We're in such a position in the league where we're not fighting for the top four realistically now, you know, if we're totally honest, that we can just look to the game and enjoy it and not feel any pressure, which is quite nice. Do you not? Do you think you can't get top four now? Do you, you just feel realistic about it? Bearing in mind there are other teams who will also be more consistent than us. Um, so I'm not saying it can't happen, but I bet the bookies will like, give me you know, ridiculous odds of it, of it happening. So I think for us, it's all about the Europa League. Um, and we've got a good pathway, potentially, to get to the next round. Nine points behind Chelsea, you are. Yeah, nine. And I, and I guess, so yeah, for us, for us to, to get, get there, we need to beat you, need to beat Chelsea, need to beat... Um, who else we to play, which is difficult? Everton, we've got to beat them. So yeah, we've got some, you know, some tricky games coming up. We'll beat them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, your, that's your dig. I mean, do you think you'll get top four? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, it, it all depends what sort of side turns up. Depends how many away games we've got, because we're, we're pretty decent away. But at Anfield, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, it's unbelievable. Depends how much the players turn the focus to the Champions League. If we can go on, if we can go on a run there, then they might just have one eye and, and go for that. Like... I can't see us competing on, on both fronts trying to do well in the Champions League and progress. And I think we'll need to win eight, well, seven, eight, nine games of our remaining fixtures to get top four. So I think we might have to just go for one, really. I mean, I, I don't want to make any predictions about Liverpool because before we had this bad spell and sort of in December, I was saying we'll be ten points clear at Christmas, so that gives you a, a bit of a, a bit of a window into how um, off steer I've been. Didn't didn't see this slump coming at all. And um, well, the, the only team who've been consistent in the league have been City. No one else has been consistent at all, which is like something. So everyone's had some kind of collapse. So Leicester are probably due another one. Um, so what you need to happen really is is for Leicester to collapse. And the, the problem is Chelsea don't look like they're going to collapse, which has got me fearful that they can win the Champions League. The defense, defensive record on the two has been so good. But they only conceded like one goal in the Premier League since he's been yeah, in or something outrageous. I'm, um, I'm hoping it's going to be a good game on Saturday look, between uh, Liverpool and Arsenal, I think. Um, What's your prediction? It wouldn't surprise me if... Um, if, if both teams scored twice, actually. So it could be a 2-2. Liverpool a little bit better. They've got Fabinho back. You know, you're talking about um, Arsenal earlier and about having a certain alchemy and a, and a spine to the team. Just we, we found that having Fabinho out of midfield has made a massive difference to us. He's just started to play back in that holding role and um, he's made us a lot stronger. And we've got uh, Jota back as well. Um, he scored a couple of goals yeah, for Portugal in yeah. midweek. He's a he's a bit of a player. I don't know what you uh, what you make of make of him and and Salah, for example. I suppose they're the two danger men for Arsenal. Yeah, I was a big fan of Jota when he was at Wolves, um, and I think he's a really decent player and he's a great like shrewd signing. Yeah, um, for you guys. So um, and he's had that really good run didn't he when he first signed for you scoring quite a few goals early on so I, I think um, I think he's a good player and so it just comes down to um, how we decide to contain um, contain him or him or Salah I mean Salah it's a weird one with Salah hasn't isn't it because he's been 
not as effective for you guys, obviously, but um, he's never, ever been able to hit those the heights of the season that you didn't win the league mm. when he was, you know, just scoring so many goals and people were having these conversations saying, oh, maybe he could be like in the messy class and so-and-so, mm. which, you know, maybe for a short time, you know, he, he was like touching it, but, but he, he never really, you know, managed to get there. Still an amazing player, of course. I haven't got any fear going into the game. It's not like playing City where I'm, I'm thinking, mm, we're not going to... I, I go into it now, we're not going to win the game. So which, is right, fans, the <laughs> yeah, which is for an Arsenal fan annoying because I thought those days... I used to only have those days when you'd play United. <laughs> like, um, it's going to be difficult yeah, today. It's horrible, isn't but it? Pre-match anxiety. Yeah, it is. But I haven't got that on Saturday. I don't think, oh no, it's going to be a tough day. Um, I just think we could lose, but it wouldn't be the end of the world if we did lose it. Thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, really nice having a chat. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Cheers, guys. It's been great. All right, see you soon. You've been listening to Brothers Red, an LFC fan podcast. Your host was James Cullen. Contributors were Matthew, Francis, Patrick and Andrew Cullen. Music and production by Helen Lyon. The best word I can say when describe this was boom. <laughs> <laughs>